Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Warriors, sellswords, and maesters, welcome to episode 116 of The Rewind. This podcast is your weekly raven for all things Pantheon Rise of the Fallen and the peoples of the realm that are looking for the next MMO to sit upon the Silicon Throne. This week, we're forecasting future community concerns. We're having a tourney to decide if quests should give XP, and we're learning about lycanthropes. So, call your banners, abandon your hearths, and prepare to march towards launch as we take on the long night of game development. So join me, Theric, and first of his name, King of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm, Desrin, for this week's Rewind. How'd you like that, Des? I mean, is that themed enough for you? I know we're we're doing a contest or we're sort of competing with each other for theming here. How's that? Yeah, that that really put me over the edge, man. Uh, like put, <laughs> putting that on my like list of our, our introductions, I, it, it supersedes everything that is epic. Yeah. You got, you got three titles. And if I'd really been feeling it, I, I should have done the whole <laughs> list because in, in case people are listening and don't know, this is a complete game of Thrones reference um, because house of the dragon premiered last week. And, and I've just been gorging on game of thrones content all week going back listening to old stuff you know new podcasts about house of the dragon and if i'd said the whole spiel your title would have been like 15 minutes long but (laughs) i didn't do that well thanks for everyone now i know you're a yeah thanks on behalf of everyone i know you're a fan of game of thrones does we talked about this on thursday a little bit um have you had a chance to watch house of the dragon yet yet. the new episode not yet so so you know leave me out of uh (laughs) of any potential spoilers (laughs) i guess uh, I am the type yeah. to wait until the whole season's done uh, before I watch. Really? Oh, so you're not going to watch it episodically? You're not going to do it like every week? No, no. It's it's too much of a like emotional drain. <laughs> really? Wow. Because yeah, I'll, you know, watch an episode and then I'll be so anticipatory. I am like <sighs> really into it for a few days, then I'll forget about it, and then the next week I will like not remember (laughs) and yeah so i have to kind of watch it all at once to some degree to retain everything see i'm on the other end of the spectrum right now because i have like sundays for me right now especially coming up in the next couple weeks have become the best day of the week we've got the the rewind premiere on 11 o'clock 11 11 o'clock my time on sundays and then i've got football at noon usually and i think a lot of bears games are at noon this year and then house of the dragon on sunday nights man i love my Sundays, they, they're the best day of the week. And it's such a nice way to cruise into the next week. I mean, anyway, I'm, I'm loving it. So uh, things are looking good. But you know what else makes Sunday the best day oh. of the week? It's our our adventuring party because they're they're with us every week for our weekly adventures. And this week, it's as usual, we've got Ziplocs on the Dark Mer Rogue, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Coat on the Human Wizard, Screech on the Scar Bard, Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter, Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric, Horsaceris on the Human Warrior, Fury Wrath on the Archive Summoner, Paveho on the Gnome Wizard, Asera Avienda on the Elf Druid, and Churro Dude on the Halfling Direlord. So, if you want to hear your name on that list, you can head over to our Patreon page. It's linked in the description. And if you see something that you might be interested in, then you can join there. 
But as you can see from the graphic on the screen, which I also want to thank Sparrow for helping us out with each and every week. She does a great job with it. The Adventure Party also includes anyone who wants to drop a super chat during the premiere or super thanks in the comments, which we got one this week. So if that's your preference, make sure to uh, give us your future Pantheon race and class so we can add you to the graphic and the banner, which you're going to see during the show coming up. Uh, it's always appreciated, of course. Never expected, though. And we want to put all that support into growing the Pantheon community through pledge giveaways and other events. And on that note, I'm, we'd like to announce next week's episode, uh, we're going to be doing another round of giveaways. And uh, stay tuned to our social media throughout the upcoming week for more details on that, because it's going to be big. I don't want to give away too much. Yeah. <laughs> Desert, Desert and you, we've talked about this a little bit. We haven't oh, fully dude. decided how we're going to do it. It's been a long time coming. Just, yeah. Keep, keep your eyes uh, peeled, guys. Yeah, so it, it's going to be epic. So stay tuned for next week, and then uh, we'll go from there. But uh, that was a nicely themed introduction, Desrin. Shall we begin the Dance of the Dragon? <laughs> Dracarys. This week in Visionary Realms, news and notes. I'm so glad you used my little notes there. That is awesome. I appreciate you uh, taking my uh, my cue there. But uh, I, I should have been uh, <laughs> a little more intense, honestly. Uh, I was just so surprised to see it in the notes. <laughs> but it was great. It's great. <laughs> I, I put it in there for myself, if nothing else. But you you really ran with it there, so I appreciate that. Let's get to the news and notes for the week. Now, this is one of the weeks where we don't have any real major news pieces uh, released by Visionary Realms. So, you know, this segment's going to be a little news light. Um, I do want to remind everybody that next week, we're going to learn if the September pre-alpha test is going ahead on September 17th, as has been indicated by Visionary Realms. So that's exciting for next week. So, you know, in the absence of like a news piece to review, Desiree, I thought this might be a good opportunity for you and I to, you know, do a bit of a debrief on some things we don't usually delve into too much on the show. And, you know, one of those being concerns or, or fears when it comes to Pantheon as it gains momentum, as it attracts more attention. And we're seeing that it's getting closer and closer and further along in the development process and there's more attention being paid yeah. to it we're going to talk about that later in the show too um you know so this is not from a necessarily from a developmental standpoint although that plays into it um you know i'm talking about more from the standpoint of like community health you know m what does that mean and it actually does link back to the august newsletter when um, ben dean did an interview talking about the challenges of of marketing a long development cycle crowdfunded game which pantheon is in that newsletter um the title was showcasing pantheon rise of the fallen and one of the main takeaways was how the media landscape is so different right now than it, than it once was. You know, there's multiple times in the article where Ben mentions the significance of things like independent video content. And I've pulled a couple of quotes from it because it, from the newsletter, because I want to really hit this point home. You know, here's the first quote where he's talking about it. He says, when Visionary Realms was formed, the marketing landscape was going through huge changes too. It's mapped out more now, but going back 10 or 15 years when I was working on other projects, this is Ben Dean talking, he says, video game content was just plainly different. Traditional marketing at the time was largely focused on banner ads, written articles, and trade shows. Fast forward to today, and the standards aren't the same. Banner ads are being dropped in favor of social media ads. Written articles are far fewer, replaced by independent video content, and even trade shows that were attended by fewer and fewer studios who, who are now opting instead to communicate directly through social media or their own in-person virtual events. So the key there, like I said, independent video content plays a yeah. big role in in 
the marketing of Pantheon, right? Yeah, there. and uh, just um, uh, in case people aren't aware, that coming from Ben Dean, uh, Ben Dean used to work for MMORPG. Uh, so he, I thought it, it was 10 oh, times. Oh, I sorry, my bad. But yes, uh, another MMO, yeah. you know, publication uh, house. So uh, sorry, I. <laughs> <laughs> I should no, have had that I mean, in the notes I, I, knew, I knew I would space it. But yeah, he, he has, you know, professional experience <laughs> in this realm exactly relating to this. So just in case people didn't know. Yeah, that's a great bring up, man. I I, sh- I totally should have put that in here. But yeah, you're right. Um, and then Ten Ton Hammer was was big back oh, yeah. in the day. I mean, I, I don't really know if they're still a thing, but um, I know back in the EverQuest days, they were a huge outlet. Even, you know, pushing further into the, the more recent history, they were still a huge outlet. And then there's another point in the article where Ben talks about the importance of earned and owned media. And I want to explain what he means by that, by the quote he uses. He says, um, you know, the question is, does the involvement of, of investors or potential investors change how they market Pantheon? And his response is yes, but only in how much we market. We don't spend a lot of money on marketing currently because it's more important for us to invest more in the development of the game now than marketing it. When uh, new investors come in, sometimes we might earmark some of that for marketing purposes. But apart from that, we try to focus on earned and owned media rather uh, than paid media. And then a final comment uh, along the same lines, speaking about third-party content, he says, quote, right now we're focused on two stages of communication, awareness and consideration. We're reaching out to larger audience through streams and third-party content. We're working to improve our streamlining of game information through our own content, like the website, newsletter, and video archive. So those are three quotes that basically are saying the same thing, talking about the importance of the social media landscape to Pantheon yeah. as a as an entity, yeah. right? A lot on the video, so, too. Yes, a lot on video. And, you know, again, this is what this is what sort of inspired me to um, to have this discussion this week is that, you know, that's a developer's perspective, but I want to tackle that from a community perspective. You know, what does that mean for content creators? What does that mean for us who are trying to, you know, uh, cover this game and not cover as in we're not journalists. I always make that distinction. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't consider myself a journalist and I think that's important. Um, you know, and everybody who's listening to this, everybody knows our general mindset when it comes to this project. I mean, we don't make any you know, bones about it. We believe in VR. We believe in what they're trying to do. We have our critiques. We have, we do that. We voice them. But our philosophy has been, you know, shown that we believe it's a worthy project and we believe that they've earned our trust. So, you know, as you hear at the end of the show, you know, we're a fan community. We're not affiliated with VR in any way. And, and that hasn't changed, you know, but, but what has changed and it's going to continue to change is the volume of the commentary that's out there. I think, heck, every week, Desiree, you highlight these community spotlight segment where we see more and more yep. and more people creating content for Pantheon, yep. right? <laughs> and 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 I think we can all agree with the co-stream looming, we're in for like a tidal wave <laughs> of content, of commentary coming. I mean, this is going to get pretty big. It's going to get a lot of eyes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that means a lot of discussion. So, you know, with that in mind, and with what Ben talked about, I think it's an important conversation to have when it comes to the role and the, and the responsibilities of anyone who wants to create content around this game. So let's have that conversation, Des, and I'll kick things off because as I've alluded to, one of my number one fears, one of my main fears about this, you know, in this area is producing content that's, you know, taking the time to be well-informed and to be, you know, bringing knowledge and bringing uh, information that's accurate and correct 
to the landscape. I think a lot of times we've seen, and I think everyone who's listening, and if you, you know, if you can think of a game or you've had that experience where, you know, a game's, the community around a game got sort of derailed or sidetracked because there was misinformation put out there, or there was something that, you know, the narrative sort of got, uh, got made into something yeah. based on something that wasn't accurate, yeah, right? Yeah, just like so, misinterpreted and and that just, you know, one one big content creator or something that hears something one way that's not how it's intended. That can spiral out because, you know, nowadays we have content creators that make content based on other content creators. And so, yeah, that's a, it's a big <laughs> thing, yeah. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Just before we started recording, I actually was watching YouTube. I was looking at YouTube or whatever, and I, I saw a couple of ones that are like reacting to or reacting to or <laughs> reacting to, and they were all like somebody reacting to a content creator to another content creator <laughs> to the actual source. Like you see this like trickle down effect of media, and it's like the it's like the whisper game, right? It's like yeah. it just it just gets changed a little bit every time it gets to the next to the next source, and that's that's just the way it goes, and and. What I'm trying to sort of get across here, I think, is that it really becomes a big responsibility to try and maintain the sanctity of the information, maintain the accuracy of the information. And being detail-oriented is is so important in, um, in, in making content surrounding, whether it's either, you know, we're talking about gaming here, but in, in any real uh, topic you're covering, whatever it is, you know. Um, and this is one of the things about you, Desmond, that I, I love so much is that you're so detail oriented when it comes to things like, you know, when I was talking last week about something about Path of Exile and I was <laughs> talking out of my ass because I, I just didn't. And you corrected it and you're like, you know, but it, and it's not about like, I didn't get angry at that. I took it on the chin and said, yeah, I totally did. <laughs> I totally didn't know what I was talking about. And I think that's really important to have that humility in making um, content. And, you know, like I said, with, with VR relying on this kind of content, it's, that's what really becomes important. And I, and I don't, it's not about not being critical. I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm talking about being accurate. Yeah. So, you know, facts are what the bottom line is when it comes to this. Yeah. On so, that note, actually, well, since you spoke about how Ben's starting to try to approach this, um, with their release of content, their official content, right? It kind of, like you said, they're leaning on content creators and uh, you know third-party folks to distribute that. Um, but it sounds like they're really focused on making sure that their content, their official stuff, while it might not be plentiful, that it is informative enough for people to make content. And that's a very different approach, but I do see them starting to lean into that. Um, and if, as long mm -hmm. as the base information is clear, uh, it does help that trickle down effect and makes it easier to source your material, you know, when it's not obfuscated all over the place, you know, we have a newsletter, we have a dev stream, we have a DRT. Um, if, if content creators, you know, can't dig into those, you know, very few sources, uh, to get their information, uh, you know, it's not, <laughs> they try to make yeah. it as simple as possible, I think. Yeah, I, that's exactly. I mean, you, you know, we're being given more information and that's something that Ben talked about in the newsletter as well is how um, their open, their development process has been so transparent and that really is their currency. Transparency is their currency. They know it and we know it, right? This was something that comes up uh, fairly regularly and it came up not that long ago. And I saw a quote somewhere, somebody said, you know, they recognize that being transparent about their development process 
is the most important thing. They know it. They're giving us the tools to make good content with. We have a responsibility to utilize those tools. And, you know, of course, there's room for interpretation. There always is. You don't have to, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, just read it verbatim. That's not it. It's more like just use the use the information that's available to you to be as accurate as you can possibly be. I take that very seriously. And I know that you do too. And, um, and that's the thing. And, you know, there's going to be multiple, there's going to be so many different sources uh, of information. And as, as consumers of that, I mean, I'm thinking about myself here and when I'm talking, when I'm thinking about when I'm looking for content on other games, like if I'm playing Elden Ring and, you know, I want to know this, that, and the other, I look to, I look to find out who the most reputable source yeah. is, you know? I was about to ask uh, if it, it makes you different- ever like second guess if you're, you know, watching something that, you know, has a bunch of views and, you know, but if it's something you're unfamiliar with, uh, you're a little bit at their mercy, right? Of making mm-hmm. sure that, oh, well, this seems like the place everyone goes to for information, but mm-hmm. who who knows? Uh, if, if you're unfamiliar you know? with the community, you're unfamiliar with the game, uh, it's yeah. you're really kind of putting yourself out there until you start digging in uh, either to their source material or um, you're just validating by their community that they're mm-hmm. they are truthful and accurate. Yeah, that's a good that's a great point actually because I think the default for a lot of people is just to look at like look at the numbers, look at how many how big the channel is, or if it's you know if they're on Twitter, if it's a you know look at their number of followers they have and all that kind of stuff and all these m- metrics that we use for social media, but you know, I think it's important that in, in my, the way I look at it is to show your work, right? When you're, when you're putting material together, when you're show, when you're doing content about something, show your sources, put your sources in your, in your, in the comments, in the description, right? Or in the show notes. This is something that, um, again, you do so well in our show notes for this show. All those, all the things we referenced the whole show are listed in the, in the show notes. And, and, this is something that takes a little more effort, obviously, for somebody to look at, to dig and get. But I think it's really important because it tells you, you know, this isn't just, I'm not just spitballing here. I'm not just making, you know, assumptions or doing doing something that um, isn't based in fact. So, yeah. So, I mean, misinformation is number one. Now, um, I'll give you my second one and then I'll ask you for yours, Des. But the second one is misdirection. And what I mean by that is, you know, yeah, and we we've we've seen this um, a few times, but basically responding a company, you know, responding too heavily um, to public outcry on a gameplay issue, you know, and it's um you know sometimes it's called you know like the bandwagon bandwagoning effect mm, where yeah. people you know read a headline and then all of a sudden it's 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 piling on a little bit, you know how how much is VR going to respond to that? And this isn't an issue right now because it's, we're in a different phase of development. This is more down the road, I would say when, um, you know, it's a, when the game is, uh, you know, they're doing patches and they're when doing it's public too, or like kind of, that's the other thing when it's, when it's, public. When it's publicly playable, uh, mm-hmm. that this is going to come in a lot, but it's so funny that you mentioned that because, uh, I just sent you a message before we started recording, um, because I went to share, uh, you know, spoiler for the later in the episode, um, an article uh, with Pantheon in it, and I went to share it on on Twitter, and uh, it actually asked me like, "Hey, are you sure you want to share this?" Because you didn't actually read it. Um, given I <laughs> really, yeah, oh, I didn't know Twitter um, did that. Wow, it's uh... the first time I've had it happen. <laughs> but uh, for the record, I did read the article just separately from a link from uh, Discord. Um, but you know, the the browser doesn't know that. So 
uh, that was a, a really interesting um, thing. But that kind of uh, just kind of sharing a headline, that's kind of what you mentioned there, that in, it, in yeah, itself yeah. can be a bit of misdirection. Uh, and, and yeah. really, uh, yeah, bandwagon, snowball, whatever, you know, term you want to use. Yeah. Great, great example, man. I, I had no idea that Twitter even did that. And I'm actually glad to hear that Twitter does that now. That's kind of a new, uh, seems like a good idea. <laughs> um, because yeah, I mean, headlines are, headlines are, are seductive and misleading sometimes and and everybody knows clickbait is what it is and they want those clicks and and you put headlines in in certain ways to get those clicks um but you know you have to we have to read articles and we have to um make sure that the loud voices don't necessarily drown out the calm ones necessarily and i don't mean that in a negative way like people have loud voices and they they are passionate about what they believe and that's great um but the calm voices are sometimes the ones that have uh more of a nuanced approach and just aren't as bold with their take on something and i i count myself as one of those people and i'm, I'm sure others you know are on the other side i know you know minus was much more of a louder voice than i am um but we also had an you know we would always come to an accord when we could discuss something and, and work out you know if there was something we disagreed on um you and I are more aligned <laughs> in terms, I think, in terms of our, uh, our disposition, maybe. I can't um, say how many times the, on, we've been asked for a minus rant or something uh, as well. That's and, true. And it's like, it's I mean, uh, this is our version of a minus rant, I think. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> this, it really is. So, you know, you get what you get, guys. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we try to be <laughs> impassioned um, in some way, but... Uh, if anything, I'm is yeah. going to be fashion. I'm going to be passionate about though. It's probably this subject. I'll, I'll admit, because <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. So you know, it's just a matter of when we get to the point of the game being in a launched state. You know, and there's an issue with gameplay. Will the will the headline bandwagoning the snowball effect be uh, be you know how will VR respond to that? I guess yeah. we'll wait and see. So. Yeah, those are my those are my two things, and I thought those were sort of related to what the article talked about. But Desiree, what 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 evokes your fears? Oh man. Um, well, so so uh, you know, fears is kind of a strong word, of course. But uh, ma- making me right. think about this, uh, I I do have a few things that I'm kind of like expecting, uh, but hoping that they don't you know cause negativity, right? Um, cause you know, one thing that, that is just bound to happen. So like, I'm going to throw this out there, uh, just cause it's going to come guys, but, uh, you know, we're going to get hit pieces about development, um, which, you know, we already do get a little bit. There's probably going to be scandals mm-hmm. from ex employees. There's probably going to be, you know, some kind of defamation, uh, like that stuff is just, it's going to happen. Uh, Pantheon has had a pretty rocky development, right? And we all know this, mm-hmm. uh, to, to some degree, uh, and what really is important in the end is that we like we come out of it and the company is solid, et cetera. But, you know, because of its past, um, there's going to be stuff and that I it will admit sometimes, especially nowadays, like you mentioned, the, the, the press gets a lot of uh, exposure when it's a, a negative issue. Right. And uh, and this could right, cycle around right. quite a bit and it probably will. But just. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Visionary Realms is not, you know, some sort of special snowflake that's going to be <laughs> excluded from all the stuff that goes on with every other company ever that has ever existed. They will they will take their shares of, you know, they will experience their share of, uh, you know, 
issues like this um, because they're human and they're made of people and people are flawed, yeah. you know? So it goes, that's how it goes. It's, it's how we respond to that. It's how the community, you know, um, what, what, how do we react yeah. to that? I, I mean, guess. it's also how they respond to that, which is part of the reason I'm so diehard yes, in this project right. is how they've responded to that. Um, but, uh, but right. I mean, other stuff like, I, I doubt they're ever going to shake the, you know, eight years in development or 10 years or, you know, when the game comes out, like, I'm sure that's going to always be a narrative of, uh, you know, one, one uh, aspect of the press, but um, there's some other things when it comes to like the game though, that I'm a little afraid of um, I'll admit for uh, content creation, for media, getting their hands on it. Like I'm actually a little bit afraid that they, there's a lot of folks that might just dismiss the game because it, it does share some old school designs like tab targeting and downtime um, just because I feel like the, uh, general media and even like the big MMO content creators, like don't uh, they're not really in the mode of kind of understanding the reason behind that kind of design. Uh, and at, you know, first impression, it might draw certain conclusions. Right. Um, and I'm sure that'll be a thing to some degree, but I will admit those kind of uh, first impressions and uh, takes um, based on, Hey, this is not like, what is modern, therefore it is old. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking we'll probably see some of that, but I, I hope it's not too much. And yeah, I think what, what always strikes me and I've noticed more lately is how it's like, um, it's more of like not really assessing the game as a quality game. It's more like people hear those old school or those, you know, classic sort of, uh, mechanics and they think it won't, it won't be successful from a financial perspective right. or it won't it won't do well financially they're not really assessing the gameplay or, or assessing anything like is it fun they're just saying we don't think it's going to work financially and it's like what a weird critique right like what a weird why do you care whether it's financially successful or not like i mean i say that with tongue in cheek <laughs> a little bit because i i do want it to be financially successful but my concern first and foremost is that don't worry about that Think about play the game first, decide whether it's fun, then make that kind of assessment. Very, yes, right? and and when the game is publicly playable, uh, and we start getting you know a, a ton of that content coming in, like I I expect there's going to be a lot of folks that are going to judge the game kind of based on you know a few hours of play time or or actually the one that I'm actually mm -hmm. uh, afraid of I'm saying actually a lot um, is people playing the game in an unintended way uh, like. You know, you could imagine a, a MMO uh, journalist or something that, you know, they review every MMO every weekend, right? And uh, they're like, oh, here's this one on my desk, Pantheon. Okay, we jump into it. And they play it like a theme park. You know, they they go completely solo and they review the game kind of like that, right? Because that's how every other MMO mm -hmm. is right now, more, more or less. You know, that's pretty extreme, but... Uh, because that's right. what they're used to, I'm, I feel like that might actually give some negative sway. Um, we'll we'll see how it plays out, but that's definitely something on on my mind <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally, hundred percent. I mean, the, when when Elder Scrolls Online came out in 2014, uh, the PC Gamer did a piece about it that was basically exactly that. They were playing it in a in, in a very strange way, <laughs> and I and I I was like, what is this about? This just take the game as it comes to you like stop imposing yourself upon it and let the game speak oh, to man. you yeah and uh i guess kind of like lastly on the the content creation side and this is 
purely from a, I guess, preferential standpoint. Um, but also keep in mind, guys, like I'm definitely biased in this because, uh, you know, we are content creators. Um, but one thing that I don't exactly look forward to is getting a ton of like flavor of the month content creators <laughs> um, that yeah. are going to pick up Pantheon just to kind of, yeah, at some point in the development, I bet Pantheon is going to be kind of like the hotness. Um you know, oh, just, yeah. I think so. Too. Just as like a hey, hot topic, you know, new MMO that's almost done. Uh, you know, we're talking in, in the future um, and, you know, they're, they're going to try to get those views and uh, and not care about the game. And they probably won't have a lot of context and a lot of uh, they might not even like it, mm-hmm. you know, like that type of game. Who knows? But but yeah, that that yeah. also is something on my mind that I'm like, man, that's probably not going to be super great for the experience. It might be good for exposure, but it might not be great for like actually painting the game as it is, right? Yeah, yeah and the the thing is, I mean, not liking the game is fine. I mean, well, I don't oh, yeah. if you don't like it, you don't like it. That that's totally fine. It's just that when there's when there's misinformation in, embedded in in why you don't like it. See, I the thing I struggle with too is I don't really like arguing with people online. So, <laughs> like when I see comments, like if I look at a video and there's comments or something like that, it really I have to really be uh, sort of riled up to respond to it. So I just, I just, I usually, I just let people, you know, think what they want and move on. And and I don't challenge people enough online. I, d- I don't think, and I think if we're, if I'm making the argument I'm making right now, I probably need to hold myself to a higher standard and be more corrective, you know, be like, oh, here's some facts. And Pazgrim is so good at this. <laughs> yes. He does this on, in so many different platforms. So I, I give him kudos. And that's one of the reasons I respect him is that he is not afraid and he's got those facts at hand. So he corrects people. And I really feel like, I feel like with this discussion and I've been thinking about this today, I'm like, what does this mean for me? I mean, I should be challenging people more. I should be trying to bring facts to the conversation more than I do. And it's not because I don't know the facts. It's because I'm just lazy. <laughs> I just don't feel like getting into it all the time. I mean, on that note though, I got to give a huge positive uh, shout out to Baz for organizing the whole library of Pantheon project um, because in essence it is making all of these things that we're kind of like labeling as fears as far as information goes and trying to be like, man, if you don't get your facts straight on Pantheon, like it is so your own dang fault because <laughs> like there are yeah, some like- amazing tools um, by the community that have been made specifically the library. Um, but I'm sure more will come. Right. And uh, the easier that information is to get, uh, I hope it helps to alleviate, you know, our potential fears here. Great. Yeah. Great point. Absolutely. Great well, point. on, uh, on some other things though, that I think I am apprehensive about, and, uh, this, this one might, uh, if people like a, a bit of rantiness, um, so, uh, <laughs> one thing that I am foreseeing, I guess is uh, expectations not being met with Pantheon um, in in kind of two different ways. So like in one way, I think a lot of people are going to expect Pantheon to be a AAA game at release Um, and everything that kind of goes along with that. uh, You know, I believe they are going to have a really solid game with really in-depth systems, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if content is a little bit slim. I wouldn't be surprised if fidelity is a little bit lacking just because this is a a game with 
a few dozen <laughs> people. Um, and that's just yeah. recently, you know, like it's been a lot slimmer in the past too. And I think a lot of people are going to hold it to a certain standard, even people that like the project and those expectations not quite being met. I, I do foresee a little bit of that and um, we'll see how the community yeah. reacts. Um, but uh, I agree with you. I mean, it, it people need to rem- people won't be it won't be widely known or widely like you know understood maybe that it's not a triple a studio that it's a small team and all the things you mentioned so it'll be like it'll be incumbent on uh, a lot of content creators to mention you know this is built by a small team which is why we say it all the time (laughs) yeah all right exactly and uh you know here's the kind of maybe uh the the flagging one here um so this is uh let me put it this way. I think Pantheon is going to be a little bit more of a change up um, from, from the games that like a lot of the community is super rooted in and, and maybe, maybe a little bit more than they expect. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it might like not end up being the kind of game that's in their heads. Um, if that makes sense. And and so yeah, I'm I'm sense. a little bit apprehensive of the backlash that's going to come. I mean, we already have seen a little bit of that um, already from a small portion of the community feeling kind of you know be- betrayed that Pantheon is you know adding this thing or changing this thing, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just different than what they expected. And uh, if right. if that's already happening, you know, with the the devoted followers a little bit. I I think there might be some folks that, I mean, hopefully they get all their information straight, right? But I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks kind of have this idea of like what a game is in their head that's not always rooted in what the game is as far as the developers say, as far as et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to lead to a certain like disconnect. So, um, yeah. The, the thing to keep in mind, honestly, nobody knows the only people who know what Pantheon is are the VR devs. <laughs> yep. Not you, not me, not Basgrim, not not anybody. Um, even the most well-informed person can't tell you what Pantheon is going to be like. Um, and I'm prepared for that because I, I do, uh, as much as anybody, have expectations and have an idea in my head of what it's going to feel like when we get to play. I'm I'm also aware that I'm going to be prepared to be completely taken aback by something that I'm not expecting <laughs> or not liking. Cause you just don't know, you know, like, or, well, I mean, maybe there, I'm sure there will be aspects I don't like and that's okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Actually, you know, it's not my, it's not my that, perfect That game. makes me think of a few topics that have even come up in our guild. I, I shouldn't say them <laughs> on the show, but, uh, I think, <laughs> I think Sparrow might recall a conversation <laughs> from a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, so uh, kind of my last, target i guess here is um and this is directly at the community and i i hate to kind of bring bring it down here i guess because i i don't want to sound too like high and mighty uh so feel free to throw stones or or whatever but one thing that i'm actually super concerned about um because i see this way more often than i would like to is uh the community not being open to new people uh that are kind of trying out a new kind of game um, and that little bit of like cult mentality, I, I would call it. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's the same uh, with like folks that have been following since the beginning. Um, you know, sometimes we see a little bit of belittling to new followers of the project. Um, 
actually, you know what? Let me spin this on the other side too, just so that I'm not sounding like I'm scolding people <laughs> too much. But I think this also <laughs> includes white knighting, um, is which you know it's the opposite side of the spectrum. I like we really try to push this idea of being critically optimistic. I that's kind of like how I would put it. Um, I agree. I, I, I I would even call it some like actually. Let me coin a new term here. How about like macro optimism? Uh, Ooh, that's good. Because uh, like there's that. some nuance to that. You know, in general, uh, we're optimistic, you know, big picture, um, but we can still be critical of other things. And with that, with that nuance, you know, I, I think a lot of our community, uh, as you can see around the various media, you know, check YouTube comments and stuff, they get pretty defensive whenever Pantheon is criticized, um, even when it's like a fair criticism. Uh, so, like, while I would rather we kind of lean towards optimism than doom and gloom, obviously, um, it's still something I'd, I'd kind of like to see a little bit less of, <laughs> uh, especially especially when instead mm -hmm. of, like, disputing some negativity, it just, like, gets kind of flipped into a counterattack. <laughs> so, because yeah. that, that is, I, I do see that. I, I see it, guys. I think so, too. I, I, I think we need to hold ourselves to a pretty high standard. Um in terms of how what our conversations sound like and and how we how we talk about this i mean god we've all been we've all been parts of communities that things devolve into name calling and, and nonsense and, and crap like that and it, it just doesn't do anything productive right so you know like again keep it keep it factually centered not about how you're arguing with somebody and this is like life lesson for me that i had to learn to be married successfully <laughs> is don't make it about the argument keep it on point right don't make it about it just it could devolve and especially online we know how these conversations go when you're not talking to somebody in person it's the keyboards get involved and, and everything goes crazy so you know I, I, yeah be critical of, of pantheon when you have a critique and, and keep it factual and you know if you disagree you disagree and you can prove it with other facts like again it's just like it's just um yeah, don't don't identify, don't get into these camps of, you know, I'm I'm this and yes. you're that. And because then it's yep. just not that gonna work out. Absolutely no one. Uh I I think my ultimate like utopic dream for the Pantheon community is that, you know, when people come in and, and criticize Pantheon, uh the best thing we can do is open the door and say, you know, either try it for yourself or uh if you don't like it, that's totally fine. Um here you know, here yeah. are some other options or uh, not to just be like, oh, you don't like this feature? Well, you are like Pantheon's not your game. Get out of here. Um, right. So. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Keeping your, an open mind to people coming into the community is is number one. And, you know, I think we try to exemplify that here with when we do the intros from the uh, forums, from the official forums, like just seriously, like you're, you're welcome. You know, like you're welcome here to have a conversation and be respectful and that kind of stuff. And just try to try to do that. And people are going to hate even hearing me say that people don't like being told that I know that <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that, but whatever, it's fine. I can take that. I just, I really want to, I just don't want to see another community dissolve into, into yeah. you know, yep. chaos. We're, re we're really trying really big on this. And, but we, we should probably move on. Cause I, I mean, I know this probably wasn't the most fun podcast conversation for our <laughs> listeners, right? Um, I had fun. I mean, I don't know. I had fun. I don't know about I'm you. I'm glad we talked about it. I really <laughs> am glad we talked about it. And I hope uh, folks listening in give, yeah, you know, give some thought as well, give your opinions and stuff. Um, but I do want to say like, you know, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> like I, I'm sure I could speak for both mm -hmm. of us when I say I, 
dude, I really love this community. Like the Pantheon community is fantastic. And, and I, I love what we've got going on, uh, like across the board, you know, from the quiet lurkers to our, you know, big content creators, even um, like how a lot of us really try to like, we work off of each other, you know, we build each other up um, in any way that we can. And it's just really stellar. And I would like nothing more than to see everyone grow uh, even more as, as Pantheon grows alongside us. Right. Um, so yeah, anyway, that, that's kind of my, I guess, sappy way of saying thanks for sticking <laughs> around and, and, you know, we say onward and upward. Right. And I feel like our community yeah. in general, like really does try to, up, uphold that now uh, i'm really proud of everyone follow that so trajectory let's do that yeah well said and you do speak for both of us when you say that so i won't repeat it but well said so let's talk about uh, the notes for this week and uh, what's coming up on pantheon plus uh for the week of august 29th through to september 4th as usual monday um we've got drac and his crew playing uh, everquest at midnight eastern on twitch they're uh, doing their everquest adventures also uh, crypt fox is playing uh, resident evil on uh, his twitch channel at 7 p.m eastern on monday and then on Tuesday, it's the MMORPG 101 on Twitch. We're still doing Ever uh, <laughs> EverQuest. I said that last week too. Elder <laughs> Scrolls, Scrolls Online. Online. I get Ever Scrolls Online, yeah. So that's the 101 on Tuesday. And of course, on Thursday is the 201 with uh, you and me does and Stands in the Fire and Tetsu. And uh, we had uh, some technical issues this Thursday, but I am committed. I am motivated by frustration to make this thing work. I am not giving up. And we are going to continue to yeah. do our Thursday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern. And we're going to so. <laughs> continue to outshine the 101 crew in every way possible. <laughs> yes. I'm also motivated by that. Yes, absolutely. So I skipped ahead to Thursday. I want to go back to Wednesday. We've got an article going up on Pantheon.plus on our website. This is uh, Wizen's Journal number nine. So he's been writing quite a few uh, articles lately. And uh, we did seven, eight, nine, I think now. So uh, definitely doing some good writing there. So go check that out. Again, on Thursday, Pantheon uh, Progress is a video done by Redbeard Flynn, our friend. That's going up on his YouTube channel recapping some progress that uh, it's been made in the development. I've got to jump in here a little bit because I don't know if you guys yeah. have noticed, but Redbeard's videos are kind of popping off lately. Um, His channel's yes, growing so extensively. This growing. dude's going places. And I think Pantheon, you, you got to watch his Pantheon stuff, especially. So, you know, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> I happened to notice it just the other day. I was looking at his channel and it's like his videos are getting serious views. So he, uh, he really, he deserves Absolutely. all the credit cause he's just put so much effort into it. So, uh, that's on Thursday. And then on Friday, uh, 6 30 PM Sparrow is on her Twitch channel playing P 99 with her pals there. That's 6 30 PM, uh, Eastern time. Of course, Saturday night, late night cringe TV with Nathan Napalm on cringe pony TV doing skits, doing nonsense, getting crazy <laughs> late night MMO RPG content, which we all uh, enjoy. And uh, yeah, that's the week that's coming up. And again, remember, next week is uh, we'll find out if the September 17th pre-alpha test is going ahead. That's going to come from VR. So looking forward to that. But we'll wrap it up there for this week's VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. All right. I, uh, I figure we could probably get at least some community discussion in this week uh, to kind of shake up <laughs> our main topic. Uh, yeah, we need to have yeah, a little yeah. fun. Um, so we're, we're going to do uh, something a little bit more lighthearted and uh, we're going to talk about Quest XP uh, or uh, lack thereof. Ooh. 
Um, this is from a thread titled Quests Shouldn't Give XP by Feasty Central on Pantheon's official forums. Um, obviously, you can tell from the title, Feasty is definitely on one side of the fence, but, uh, but let's get into it for a bit. <laughs> um, so to summarize, I guess, uh, Feasty seems to think that quests should generally reward the player with pretty much everything but XP. Um, gear, crafting materials, faction reputation, consumables, currency, uh, or even hints and lore relating to other quests or, or neat things like hidden areas and stuff like that. Um, and the thing I wanted to highlight here was where Feasty makes this parallel, because this comes up in the thread uh, quite a bit, um, the parallels between a quest and an exam. Uh, Feasty says, you know, you, you don't get a burst of knowledge, uh, as in XP, from turning in the exam. Uh, you get it from all of the studying and everything leading up to turning it in. Uh, Feasty points out that quest XP inevitably leads to what we all know all too well, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of people just skipping the quest text just to get that sweet XP bonus as a you know as a main or supplementary <laughs> way to progress. Uh, as Feasty is kind of requesting, uh, he wants to do quests because they offer something interesting and and specific rewards that he's looking for, not just spam through to keep up with others that are also, you know, quest grinding, right? So uh, two ways we could do this, Derek. We could get through some replies and give our takes here, or we could start it off with our, our first takes. Do you have a preference? Hmm. Uh, let's go through some replies okay. because, uh, I want to hear what other people, I feel like sometimes I give my first impressions and I end up saying a lot of the things that other people well, said anyway. How about so this? let's hear from Off the, the cuff, community before first. we get into the replies. Do you think just, <laughs> okay. you know, without explanation, do you think quests should give XP? Okay. No. I would be in that <laughs> camp as well. Uh, so we'll, okay. we'll go from there. We'll go from there and let's see okay. what surprises we can unfold. First one's going to be from absolute <laughs> terror. Uh, I'm going to quote a little piece here. It says, uh, currently playing a new mobile game called Eternal Kingdom Battle Peak. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> that sounds, that like, sounds a like a game. mobile game. Uh, and the quest <laughs> gives more XP than killing monsters. So, you know, now instead of grinding monsters, I just skip reading, get a huge XP, uh, you know, plus some equipment from the quest. Uh, and it even notes, uh, I'll be quitting soon because it, it always leads <laughs> to that end. Um, and they also say a good balance would be great if VR can achieve it, but I would rather have a stable XP from monster and maybe random XP for and items and gears from quests. Um, not like a consistent XP all the time. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That interesting. That's so out of balance. In that yeah. Game. That but, I mean, awful. at the same time, I feel like it's fairly prevalent. Um, right. I, I mean, it even is, when we, it is, it's in game. Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online. Were you going to yep. say that? Because that's what I'm yep. thinking. Uh, yep. But um, but okay, so let's get... So Disposeless and Feasty go back and forth a lot in this thread um, because Disposeless uh, challenges Feasty's analogy. So so let's get into that. And there's a lot more to his post than um, I can throw in here, but uh, we'll go give a little bit. And Disposeless says, well, if we gave the student XP for studying, what if the student learned all the wrong stuff or understood it wrong and failed the exam? Do we take the XP away again? Uh, the, the rationale would be that until you know the quest is truly complete and successful, you can't crystallize the game or the gains in experience from what you've learned along the way. Killing monsters and discovering things mm. is easy to count as XP as you go, but quests, not so much. It is upon rest, reflection, and training that you can take what you've experienced and turn it into new ability. 
At the end of the day, XP is only a measure for when you might be able to make meaningful progress in your character development. But I will note that uh, Disposalist also agrees that quests being a primary source of XP is cert it's just not a good trend. <laughs> so interesting right. challenge on that right, uh, uh, analogy there. Yeah, it is sort of a real life, it is a real life comparable. I mean, you you may study for an exam and you may take the exam, but you may get everything wrong. So you really haven't gained any knowledge through the process of studying. You only gain the knowledge when it's confirmed that it's yeah, correct. Yeah, that's a really interesting right? uh, way to... So like... The quest turn in is the teacher telling you, "Yes, you've, you've done yeah. this correctly." That's it. it definitely changed the paradigm a bit for sure. Um, interestingly hmm. enough, uh, Dorotea also uh, doesn't agree with uh, Feasty. So um, they say, you know, unsurprisingly, I do not agree that quests should not give experience. Uh, many of us find the thought of killing ten million wolves at three XP per wolf a terribly boring way to set up an MMO. And they're far happier when we can interact with the denizens of the world and earn rewards for these interactions. I'd rather get to maximum level through quest experience with no experience given for killing anything at all. Let's face it, by the 9 millionth wolf, what are you actually learning? Uh, and they also note oh, uh, the example being Dungeons & Dragons Online does it this way. Uh, experiences for completing quests with no experience per kill whatsoever. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a great point, 100% true. And uh, at least in terms of my memory of playing <clears throat> DDO, that that was one of the things that uh, I definitely noticed. I can't um, remember what your opinion interesting, was on interesting. that, because it's been a while since. Uh... Yeah, it, uh, well, I think when I, when I did my review of it, it was more like, <clears throat> um, it, was, it was sort of obfuscated by other stuff. Like it wasn't the primary thing that really stood out to me, but I did remember feeling it when we were playing that game that um, the questing was so the primary focus. And, and it's D&D, &D, it should be. That's like true, questing yeah. is D&D &D is true. questing, you know? Uh, but I feel like this is where the disconnect is between video games and uh, storytelling. Oh. You know, like I, I disagree with Dorote, what, she, what they said there about you know, you don't learn anything killing the nine millionth wolf. Uh, I feel like you do. I feel like your your character is, you know, again, if you're doing a real life comparable, you would be learning with every new time you killed a wolf or an animal or something, or you would learn a little bit something new, you know, and I don't know. It's, <laughs> a, it's yeah. not exactly a one-to-one, -one, but I, I prefer it so much more than the opposite and uh, the opposite extreme where everything comes mm. from questing. Well, Dorote throws in kind of another thing that might be worth thinking about, and uh, this is towards Feasty, but Dorotea says, your opinion might have been influenced by two things that almost none of us want. Uh, we do not want quests to be a very fast way to gain experience the way it is in many MMOs. We do not want quests to be a golden path leading us from the starter area through the world to the end game. We do not want to go from quest hub to quest hub to quest hub to quest hub. So Interestingly enough, even though they prefer, uh, you know, quest to kind of finalize that, you know, be even a, a primary source of XP, they don't want it to be a fast way to XP. So there might be some overlap there of what people actually want. Um, and just kind of like, as far as gameplay, it kind of manifests a little bit differently, you know? Um, I think the big question mm -hmm. to kind of go with that is, well if quests are the primary way of XP, how do you slow that down though? Um, 
you know, like, mm. uh, so that's, that's a tricky one, but some, some to think about, cause it does seem like in this thread, a lot of people do agree on that fundamental principle and that they don't want the quest hub experience. Right. Yeah. I think like everybody wants different things at the end of the day, but there is one, uh, we, we can all agree that maybe there's an imbalance towards too heavily leaning on quest experience being, um, overemphasized in, in yeah. MMOs. Yep. Well, let's get a nice like centrist <laughs> view here. So uh, we've got Thunderleg. Uh, Thunderleg simply says, I prefer XP from all sources, quests, mobs, perception pings, exploration, crafting, gathering, leveling up, collecting a new technique, completing a named armor set, and so on. Uh, makes for a well-rounded game serving all play styles and those with limited time. Um, interesting uh, little hmm. tidbit with the completing a named armor set. I... <laughs> I don't know if that was, you know, just kind of a random idea, but uh, the idea that you get XP from like all sorts of things, um, I'm a little bit like neutral on because I've played games where you get like several sources of XP just from doing regular things. Um, I, I kind of think of uh, Star Wars Galaxies or, um, oh gosh. Well, what about your favorite game? What about Vanguard and Diplomacy back in the day? Yeah. Right. But Diplomacy um, gave its own. Diplomacy XP. gave you. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it gave its own. And that's what this makes me think of is that when we think of XP, we're just saying, you know, we're thinking of one bar. Why is there not like separate bars for, for different areas of expertise? I mean, a lot of games, not a lot, but some games have yep. done that. And I can't think of any offhand, although I know it's been there. Um, you know, I feel like when we get to our opinions, I'm, I'm going to go down this path a little further, but um, experience really to me is about your combat. It's, it's, it's about your, it's about fighting and um, doing battling with monsters and, and killing monsters. And oh, that, man. That, that, that's what, that's what it's about to me. And I know people won't like that, but to me, that's it's what it's super about. interesting that you brought that up. Um, I I'll save my thoughts for the end too, but the Vanguard bring up is I think a really, really solid one. So uh, we'll, let's get to at least one, maybe two more, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with, with our takes after hearing all this. Sure. So uh, next up we've got Zonth and Zonth agrees that uh, beyond the first few levels quests um, and make sure to note that quests as in tasks, because remember we have tasks and storylines um, that's a good point. They should not be giving experience. Um, it all comes down to not wanting to be forced into grinding quests, which is exactly what happens. If getting from 25 to 26 is 20% faster by grinding the same handful of kill, you know, whatever amount of whatever quests, then most people are going to do that, um, you know, rather than explore and try to hold camps or, you know, experience the rest of the game. And, um, Zon says, uh, I, I would much rather spend my night holding down a bandit camp with a few friends in hopes of getting a rare name to spawn than running back and forth with a murder list I'm checking off for the most efficient experience <laughs> gain. So obviously Zonth is much more towards the uh, monster XP side, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds in line with what I'm saying. Uh, I think he, he sort of put it close, pretty close to how I'm Yeah, and I this. think it really highlights kind of the idea that tasks, if they do give XP, are basically, as far as we know it, uh, basically the same meaningless fodder that Zonth is talking about, which is you just get the quest alongside this other, like, tedious stuff, 
just to get an XP bonus, which sounds, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of the commonality of MMOs, but it, it I mean, yeah, I would say it, it's rather uninteresting. It's, um, well, it's just a convenience. At that point, it doesn't become interesting or story. There's nothing interesting about a task. I mean, maybe if you're like super into like, you know, drone work, I guess, but like, there's no, there's nothing, you're not learning anything from a task and there's really nothing interesting about it. It's just a convenience to get XP. I mean, because it's easier than killing mobs. Like I don't understand the point of it. I, I really I think the the one counterpoint I mean, to that. And um, it's funny because, you know, Lord of the Rings online has been getting a bit of spotlight lately. Um, mm-hmm. I am thinking of the, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot the term they use for it. Deeds, I want to say. Uh, stands yeah, in the stands, now. help me out here. <laughs> I, um, but uh, basically, <laughs> you don't have to go to an NPC to get a, this certain type of quest, if I remember right. You just go and do stuff, and it adds it up in, in the UI element. Um, so you might not even know that you're you know, completing something. Right. Uh, but then when you go to right. check, you're like, oh, hey, well, apparently I can you know, turn this in over here, and it gives you a bonus anyway. Um, interesting yeah. approach. I don't think I've really seen that elsewhere, um, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up because it might be a at least less annoying uh, way to do the tedium because let, let's be honest, like the annoying thing isn't the killing, you know, however many mobs at once, like we're fine with doing that if we wanted to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's that, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'm missing out because I didn't grab this quest and the rest of my group. Is right. Doing exactly. It, you know? When we were, yeah, when we were playing Lotro, I made a commitment to myself. I said, I will never kill anything in this game without having a quest to do it because everything gives you, there's a quest to kill everything, right? Like you should never be killing anything in that game without having a task to do or a deed or whatever they're called to do that thing because you're missing out on experience. And that's, that dilutes the, you know, it takes away from what questing is. (laughs) Yeah, it's just annoying. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like pointless like why not just give make the mobs give better experience (laughs) very true very true um i see for some reason in my head i was thinking that the acquisition of them was automatic though um because that does circumvent the annoyance part again like you said why don't they just give mobs more xp at that point but at least it kind of makes a little bit more sense because you would think like oh hey if someone want wanted like to cull the population of wolves in the area and you just show up and you're like Hey, I, you know, I killed like 20 of them while I was out doing stuff. And they're like, oh, well, cool. Thank you. And they give you that little reward. Mm. It makes a little bit more sense than yeah. like. It's, if, it feels more like manipulation of my psyche than anything <laughs> yeah. else. And it feels like checkboxing. Oh, my yeah. Psyche and we, a little we've more talked enough else. about checkboxing, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Let's get to this last one. Uh, this is from Counterflesh. Uh, and Counterflesh says, uh, quest should offer XP only if it's needed to keep them competitive in a time slash XP ratio with the other content. Um, also adding that rewards need to be structured so that questing isn't just farming with a skipped narrative. Um, and I think this is actually pretty pretty prevalent because a lot of the, and we even saw this earlier um, with one of the responses I grabbed was that sometimes the quests are helpful to folks that have less time. Um, and I would say that if it's helpful to people that have less time, it's just as helpful to people that have more time. Um, so it doesn't really, you know, uh, help assuage that too much. Um, but the idea that 
if the XP isn't unequal, uh, if, you know, it's nice to get the XP, but you're not feeling wrong if you, you know, missed out on a, on a mm -hmm. task or something. Um, I think that's better serving the purpose. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. now that we kind of, uh, got a bunch of responses, has your view changed? Have, has it expanded now? No, <laughs> no, no, I haven't, I haven't learned anything. I haven't uh, incorporated any new knowledge. No, I'm just kidding. No, those are all really good points. And I, and I can see the logic in a lot of them, but I think and I've said this before, but I think Pantheon needs to do things differently. And I think that they, um, are on the right track at one time they were very much on the point that storylines are disconnected from any experience gain and and i and i i think that's a good um mindset and something i've supported i also said i thought it needed to be um there needed to be some value in being a keeper some social oh, yeah. value so well uh just to point out I, earlier in the thread i didn't grab this because it's a, a quote from vr that's you know already been said but someone did quote when joppa was talking about uh it was uh tasks, perilous tasks, and storylines. And Joppa made sure to mention that storylines are specific to perception. Um, so, yes. you know, yeah. but the whole advent of tasks, I think is kind of what we're, we're poking at. So if, yeah. So, well, I think if we take tasks out of the equation, I mean, I, that's fine. I understand they want, they can't, they can't be too different. Like they, they have to give people this, like all the reasons people brought up here, why tasks are going to exist in Pantheon and fine. But what I'm talking about is like questing and I hold questing in a right. very high standard be because it's not just tasks. It's, it's so much more than that. And I don't want it to be attached to some kind of experience progression where people are only doing them because they give experience. They don't care about the story. They don't care about what they're actually doing. They're doing it just so they can, you know, um, gain some experience or for an achievement of some sort. There has to be the reward for questing should be the quest itself. And I do want it to be being a keeper. How do you make that? How do you make being a keeper part of that? What is, how do you progress as a keeper if you're not giving experience? This is a tough riddle that I think VR is sort of grappling with a little bit right now. I think Tehom uh, Te has done some good work. I said his Tehom. name incorrectly it's on Tehom. a video recently. Tehom, I know, right? So I was very like mindful in that moment that I was saying his name like, say it correctly. And I couldn't remember. Thank you. So, um, I think they're grappling with this issue right now. How do you progress as a keeper if storylines don't give traditional experience? I, I think that is the right trajectory to be on. So in a perfect world, um, they come up with the perfect solution and I'm happy with that because I do like I play ESO and man, we're, We've gotten some good feedback on our ESO streams because we're actually reading the quests. We're talking to the NPCs. People seem to really enjoy that because they aren't getting that. They aren't, they're, they're participating in groups that are just running through and blowing through and not talking to any, but still taking the quests because they want oh, that yep. XP, right? Yep. And the reward. You're, you're, you'd be a fool not to. You're getting people and, that and aren't is, interested is, in the quest doing the quest, which yeah. is like, why would you force someone that doesn't like that kind of gameplay you know yeah so i won't go on too too much more but i like i said earlier there's a there's a uh, conflict between storytelling and video game gameplay that i don't think has really been solved uh, at least to my <laughs> standards in mmos so that's my take. yeah um 
I, th- I think I agree. Um, although how I would say it, um, I, I think storylines absolutely should give XP for perception or whatever the skill is called. So kind of like diplomacy mm-hmm. is a separate thing in Vanguard. Yeah. Absolutely. I think storylines right. should be like a primary way to gain keeper XP, uh, in, in that, right. in that way. Um, however, tasks are the problematic one to me. Uh, and I think I still believe that tasks should not give XP. Um, at least a vast majority of them because the, the tedium of having to make sure that you're not wait, you know, it feels like wasting XP, you know, when you just, you're like, man, I'm, you know, tired tonight. I just kind of want to go out and like kill some stuff for a while, get some XP. But then there's this nagging feeling in the back of your head that like, man, if I went, you know, over here to this town and talked to all these NPCs, I could probably pick up some, you know, extra doodling and, (laughs) <laughs> I, I'd be remiss not yeah. to, right? Like y- you feel like you're not playing it properly. Exactly. If you and like, if you, uh, I, this is a kind of slippery slope, you know, I don't want to say if you don't feel like it, the game shouldn't force you to. But in this particular case, I think that's absolutely how it is. Like, I, I think the forward progression of XP is such, such a bait for people that they will do things that they don't like just to get XP. And so I, I think I, I am a little bit more as far as tasks, again, separating storylines, but as far as tasks, I'm more with Feasty saying like, dude, give them any other type of reward. Uh, because for whatever reason, yeah. I'm okay with passing up a quest that just gives coin uh, and just going out and XPing anyway uh, yeah. versus the, you know, having XP tied to the, the quest. So, you know, You've, you've changed my mind. You've, you've, you've convinced me that that is absolutely the right approach. And, um, I wasn't considering tasks, but you're, you're hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. The, the only exception I would say, because it was brought up that there are perilous tasks. And I assume these are things that are actually, uh, I would equate them more to like quests of the typical game. Like, so maybe it is, <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, go out and defeat these, you know, encounters, uh, in some way, I would be okay with those giving a small amount of XP because you're probably not getting a lot of XP from the mobs, like you know, you're, from the the yeah. named creatures or whatever. Like, so if perilous tasks are actually perilous, that's my mm-hmm. kind of exception. But the cannon fodder, no, no, please. If we have to yeah. have cannon fodder quests or tasks, just no XP. I'm still pretty, pretty bullish coin, on that. Yeah. Just item. But this thread actually is, you yeah, know, we're well into page two. Um, there's a lot of really great back and forth. Um, I really liked a lot of, uh, the reason I pulled a lot of these that were kind of like, no, I, I do think quests, you know, should give XP um, is because I, I think there are a lot of really good arguments on both sides. And this one's really worth discussing um, now that VR has confirmed that they are separating them out between storylines and tasks. So uh, let's talk about it. Um, the link is, of course, going to be down in the show notes uh, and add your thoughts. Um, but I think that's going to be it for this week's community discussion. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm? What's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's community spotlight. All right. Well, uh, community spotlight. Uh, I feel like we've 
expanded this uh, <laughs> this show a little bit long, <laughs> um, but we've got to spotlight our community. And uh, right off the bat, as we mentioned last week, Wizen's been turning out a bunch of entries into their fan fiction series, uh, H. Wizen, Thales, Red, Scrawlings. Uh, this one's going to be eight, and that's going to be up on Pantheon Plus. So uh, follow along with, with their series and... Uh, it's like a weekly thing that you're like right now. So it's pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> um, now the next one, uh, I always am so happy to introduce um, <laughs> Re- recent revelry yeah. uh, came out with another high quality video called how has world building and class design been progressing in Pantheon rise of the fallen. And it's, it's, you know, it's a recap of the dev stream, um, but rice. So I said rice again, Reese has come out with like this really great narrative <laughs> style, I think, uh, that adds, you know, some information and commentary. Um, so it's not like a hundred percent recap, right? Like a lot of, uh, a lot of mm-hmm. us do, but it kind of picks out certain big points and they give some thoughts. It's, it's really nice. I love the flow of, of his stuff and I look forward to listening and watching his videos every time there. He's doing so great. And I think the audio quality for his recording is really yep. improved too. I noticed his voice is, uh, it's got a great tenor to it. There's a, there's a much more of a bass um, to the recording now. He has a now. very enjoyable really voice, but again, he is, he is kind of uh, kind of British, so like, uh, he kinda, <laughs> kind of British. Um, and let's get to the next one. So this one's uh, from Sparrow. Uh, Sparrow did this really short, just kind of breakdown of the uh, sign of the Black Rose Pledge with all the things that it includes in such a little informational video. And that's called uh, Get the Deets on, <laughs> on the new Pantheon Pledge Package. Uh, so go check hers out uh, or use that video to refer someone if they're thinking about upgrading, you know? Mm, good point. Good also, point. Uh, we've got our guy Sir Medieval coming out with Visionary Realms Pantheon MMO August 2022 newsletter details producer's letter monthly review by Sir Medieval. <laughs> it's a lot of words. It's hey a lot man, of words. you got to get everything in the title. Yeah, people got to find your stuff. <laughs> uh, but this was, you know, it's yep. pro- uh, whoop, I'm punching the microphone again. Uh, producer's letter and monthly recap. <laughs> and again, he's doing a great job covering the, the game, I think. Um, I like that he he dug pretty deep in this one. It was uh, pretty much covered every main detail of both of those things and a few of his thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there was a little bit more of his um, his like uh, interests in interspersed into this yeah. one, which I thought was really cool. I liked how he uh, sort of brought that brought his personal perspective into. Yeah, it. it's really well cool. balanced. I like the balance of this one. Really, it's, it's super solid. Um, one kind of fun thing is he brought up the mob AI uh, just to. Sp- spoil this because obviously we're using so much time anyway so um but it made me happy and i had to leave a comment uh kind of indicating like hey maybe you should look into the mob ai because i think it might be a bit more than you're under the impression uh because uh, as you know a lot of diehard followers know the mob ai is probably one of the big like features of pantheon big ticket Um, items and uh Mm -hmm. at least by the description in this video it was uh fairly simplified uh and so either Either he was just trying to be quick or maybe he doesn't know of the feature completely yet, but really excited for him to uh, find that out. Um, then next up, we've got Tango Hotel uh, doing another Tango Talks, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen crafting compendium. A um, lot of collection of info here. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch this one yet. But yeah, uh, it, it's, you know, uh, maybe nothing new if you follow the crafting side really deeply, but if you don't, which is probably a lot of people, it's a, you know, there's, there's just a lot in there. 
Uh, it, it's worth watching if you've got, I think it's like 20 some minutes or something because it's fairly comprehensive. So uh, good, good stuff. Nice. Um, another, uh, this was actually a really nice surprise. <laughs> uh, I got kind of giddy about mm -hmm. this one. And this one is from Tearson Bane, an, uh, just kind of another random Pantheon video from Tearson Bane. But this one is the nine playable races of Pantheon, Rise of the Fallen. And it's a, it's a big breakdown of all the races, uh, their class combos, and a short like kind of summary of the race, race uh, stories and their racial abilities. Yeah. Now, uh, I do want to keep in mind that uh, the racial abilities could change, right? But I love yeah. that you just went yeah. down the list and paired it all with the lore. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> I left a comment on this video because I thought it was a really, really smart way of putting together the lore and the practical information together. And um, he struggles with something that I struggle with too, and that's some of the pronunciations. <laughs> yep. of some I of love the he stuff. leans into it. So he the, said the elf one. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah. The elf one. That's the one I corrected too. I'm like, it, I say Seolane. And I think that's how Jan says it, but I should go double check because he was struggling with how to say Seolane, their, their elf's yep. homeworld. And so I left that in the comments. I thought it was pretty funny. And uh, hopefully he, he enjoyed <laughs> that too. But I, I hear you, man. I feel yeah, that. It, it was super good though. And, um, you know, if you have an idea of like race and class, you should check out this video because uh, it'll help you kind of connect with your character, I would say, because uh, the backstories of each race is just so cool. I say it all the time. It's amazing. It's like real, real life myths and legends. It, it, it's just great stuff. Um, and, and they're very well summarized too. Yeah. The video is not even that long somehow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> speaking of nice surprises though, um, this took me for a loop here and this was a article in the international business times, uh, by author, uh, James Lee. And this is called the story of the highly anticipated MMORPG Pantheon rise of the fallen. And, uh, it's always kind of fun when we get Pantheon articles on like non-gaming websites or you know yeah yeah this one came out of nowhere and like it's it really makes me um it was a good article but beyond the fact that it was a well-written article when you get this sort of outside the sphere of normal content creation platforms and and outlets uh pantheon getting into other people who would normally never see it would never know about it is really important so i uh, i was like kind of like uh, just it makes me feel about feel like the future is here you know what i mean like pantheon's getting attention from unlikely yep, sources yeah and uh and i i do want to emphasize it is a well-written article um it's it's you know it's got some context about mmo history in general um specifically about pantheon as well and um even some interview quotes uh from chris rowan and uh, it was yeah such a nice surprise uh if you haven't read it uh definitely check it out it's it's just it's cool man it's cool but uh but uh, yeah that is going to be it for this week's community spotlight sit back and relax it's time for the lore you know well it's only appropriate that having just finished the tale of how the lycandrel and the night world night wolves were created that we learn a little bit more about them from the history books of terminus and for that, we turn to the October 2018 VR newsletter, which contained lots of information about these creatures. As it notes, quote, these wild creatures have roamed the planet for millennia, beyond us, behind us, among us, end quote. So for the first, from the first part of the text, which is titled Modern Day Outcasts, 
we learn about their place in the world in the present year of 987 IH. This is another piece of lore that hasn't quite made its way to the new website. So listen along as I read the work of VR's amazing writers and this week's Lore You Know. Today, Lycandrel, Nightwolves, and the subsequent less intelligent werewolf all have similarly poor reputations amongst most people groups. They're hated and hunted, most often due to the vile deeds of the Nightwolves and the animalistic morality of the werewolves. Yet the hardness of lycandral hearts toward common mortals has not given fearful outsiders a reason to treat each lineage of lycanthrope as distinct from one another. A wolf is a wolf. This has created a survivalist mindset in all lycanthrope, which suits their reclusive preferences and has kept lycandral encounters to a minimum. Yet the peoples of Terminus rarely abide even the most passive of threats. Nightwolves are truly ghastly creatures with no regard for an innocent life. Werewolves, who cannot transform on demand as Lycandrel or Nightwolves, are nonetheless ruthless and impulsive predators. A deplorable secondary effect of the presence of these creatures has been a broader distrust among common mortals and in some cases, bloodthirsty panic. Several cities have fallen prey to unfounded paranoia, and the term Drell cleanses became synonymous with harvest and the early onset of winter. Here, the mania that can attend myth-making is on full display, as Lycandrel are often blamed for everything from poor crops to an early frost. They are often accused of carrying disease and spreading cursed blood, which has some merit perhaps. Yet many innocents have perished from zealous, fearful mortals. There persists a strong belief that burning with fire or drowning a drell would force the accused to shift into lycandral form to escape before death. In these instances, the fate of the falsely accused is worse than that of the guilty. For true lycandral, however, there is little concern for the affairs of other mortals. And though it would seem that Lycus's dream was dealt a death blow at Shadir, then utterly buried at the celestial boundary, there is evidence that his wildness yet walks within the living. Some clans of Lycandral still cling to the ancient calling of the Twin Head God, protecting and preserving the ancient wisdoms of Terminus with fervent dedication. This is most readily witnessed in the far northern clan of the Ulfidnari of Frosia Nocta, who have taken up the mantle for centuries. Their culture is based around recovery and study, prizing the solace that the twin-head god once lived for and maximizing their exceptional lifespans. While not aggressive in nature, the Ulfidnari rarely welcome outsiders, and it would not take long to learn that the bite of a peaceful lycandral is nonetheless more injurious than an evil one. Yet other clans have carved their path by harnessing the physical power of Lycus's blessing, rather than carrying out his personal desires. Chief among them are the Wasche, reputed rivals of the ogres of Broken Maw and cunning warriors of stealth and ferocity. An anomaly within the Wasche is their inability to shift away from their lycandral form or perhaps taking a fervent oath to never do so. In either case, the lack of transformation is remarkable, and as blood-soaked as their conflicts with the ogres have been, any such incident of transformation would have been observed by now. 
As for Nightwolves, there are mercifully few evidences of their malevolent kind grouping together for long stretches of time. Most of these native accords are short-lived and mutually destructive, though a handful of Nightwolves did align with the Revenant for a time. These betrayers were crucial in acquiring military intelligence on the Sacred Six races, understanding their supplies and so forth. Few Nightwolves fought in open battle, though one was discovered and killed during the construction of the Burning Sanctum. Most often, Nightwolves prefer to acquire subservient mortals from other species, either by guile or by force. From this vantage, they are able to pillage and war unchecked, not unlike their delinquent father knocked. Werewolves, however, do prefer to stay in packs, with a social structure that is difficult to maintain due to the irregularity of werewolf transformation. As previously noted, werewolves do not possess the shifting mastery of Lycandral or Nightwolves, and are therefore unable to construct a stable society. Instead, they rely mostly on the outcast status of their pack members for consistency, as once a werewolf is revealed, they cannot return to their own people. Yet, there are evidences of werewolves submitting themselves to a master and learning how to become a Lycandral. However, such a field of study must be reserved for another day. Despite their homogenous reputation, Lycandral of modernity come in many forms. Some are a broken shadow of what Lycus desired for his children, while others have attained a more fulfilled version of that dream. They may be stable and enduring, perhaps even noble, yet most wrestle with an inability to trust outsiders, their own kind, or even themselves. They carry the burden of the wilderness in their soul, but ache from their inability to access Lycus himself. Perhaps this fate will one day be altered, and the burden lifted by the twin gods appearing. Until that day, the might of Lycandral dwells in the hidden places of Terminus, preserving like the echo of Lycus's great howl. And that is the lore you know. You know, I've really come to associate that sound at the end of the lore you know section does with the end of the show. I don't know if it hits <laughs> you the same way that dun 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 dun. It's like it's like the Pavlov. A little bit, bell, yeah. The there's dogs. always like kind of this sense of like arrival uh, at, at the very end. Yeah, sense of um, arrival. Yeah. That's a nice Pantheon call out there. That's a nice integration of uh, Joppa speak for us to end the show on. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it was either that or saying uh, it's it? obvious that Pantheon Plus is uh, Team Jacob, but uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's amazing that we go long on shows when there's no actual news <laughs> of the week. Like we're at a minute and 20, an hour and 20 uh, minutes already. And there was no well, real news for this week. With so us I think that's kind of funny. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with us, for hanging out with us. And I hope the information that we gave you was, you know, the conversation was interesting and informative. And as always, you know, we want feedback. We love your feedback. I'll try to respond to at least everybody or at least acknowledge the comment when we receive one. So if you like, you know, check it out, leave a comment or check out some content elsewhere on the channel. We'd always appreciate that if you have the time. But with that, I'll say thanks, Des, my friend. I can't wait to get back here next week. Same time, same place for another episode. And until then, cheers. And thanks for Hi listening. Hi, everyone. Keep an eye on social media. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter 
and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.